Seventh Avenue Pizza, the official pizza of the Soda Pod. The Soda Pod, the official beer and hockey podcast of Seventh Avenue Pizza. Second segment of the night, we welcome in, of course, Max Feach to talk all things NCHC, in particular the Bulldogs. And um, Max, I know you're going to you know, roll your eyes at me, and that's fine. Um, let's be fair about it. I think a couple of weeks ago, uh, this matchup was looking vastly different at, uh, in terms of uh, the upcoming Bulldogs versus Huskies. Uh, we'll, we'll leave to digest that a little bit later. Yeah. I do think we need to first digest, uh, shall we say, some some pain that's happening around Bulldogs Nation. Yeah, yeah. We're lucky you uh, you cut to the, the camera recording while I was still smiling because it might be the last time we do it all, all segment here. It's, <laughs> it's, it's been a brutal, brutal weekend and brutal couple of weeks. I mean, the Bulldogs are winless in their last six, all five and one in that span. And it just hasn't looked good at all in, in roughly any of those games. I mean, the one tie was against Minnesota, who's still a top 10 team. So like, yeah, there's a little bright spot there, but that didn't look great either. They're, they were statistically worse in almost every category in that game too. So yeah, not, not a ton to be really, really thankful for. Um, there are a couple bright spots we'll get to, but it's like, few and far between and uh, a lot needing to be to be changed and adjusted if, if they're looking for anything um, more positive on the the outcome side moving forward yeah and, and you um, know historically max and i think we'll touch on this before we break down the two games this weekend you know umd has always historically been a team that maybe starts a bit slow and then gets stronger and stronger as the year goes around i mean you've got three natties to your credit that have yep. looked very similar but I do get the sense this year is a bit different. Um, I know we talked about last year, there were some struggles. Um, that team to me felt a little bit closer to, shall I say, breaking the ice dam than this team does. I want to get your thoughts on that. Um, I know we're only halfway through the November, but we're also not in October either, which means these are not just, you know, little nuances. Now they're becoming trends. Yeah. Um, you seem to have a little bit more positive outlook than maybe I would at this point, which is tough for me to say, but this is Groundhog Day all over again. I mean, this is 2022 season. Just, I mean, it feels the exact same where you had, you know, a pretty decent start. We beat ASU last year. We had, you know, a couple of ties and decent wins this year. And then it just kind of fell into a plateau and then it fell off of a cliff and you saw yourself tumbling down the rankings week after week after week. And again, this early in season doesn't mean everything, but it means something. There's there's no confidence on the bench at all. And that kind of leads me to believe or to think like, you know, maybe scheduling uh, Cornell, Minnesota, North Dakota, St. Cloud back to back to back to back was not the best idea. And I know that a lot of the non-conference schedules are determined years in advance. And you have no idea how the teams are going to be and all these other excuses. But like North Dakota is always going to be good. Minnesota is always going to be at least decent, if not good. And Cornell has been great other than one down year around that, you know, COVID timeframe where their coach was, you know, ill and, and not with the team anyway. So like you had an idea of, of what the season was going to be before we kind of got into it. And, you know, like I said, they had a good or a decent start, we'll say, 
But those two ties even against the CCHA schools are, are looking pretty bad or pretty, pretty, you know, um, nerve wracking at this point, given how they performed this year. The CCHA as a whole is down. Michigan Tech is a shell of what people had expected them to be. If that Northern Michigan's they're, they're the same as they always are. They're fine. If they can outscore somebody that night, they'll win. But outside of that, like these, these wins aren't looking great. So um, I'm looking for some positives and I'm sure we'll find them, but panic button fully pushed. If we're looking at the panic meter, we're like right into that red, you know, catastrophe. We need, we need points. We need conference points, but we need points in general, pairwise uh, wins, whatever you want to categorize it as we need them. Yeah. And Max, this was a, a similar boat to what St. Cloud was in about two weeks ago. And, you know, as difficult and as shall we say, disappointing the non-conference schedule was, you know, going into conference play, you had a feeling that, okay, let's hit the reset button. They had a bye week. Um, they took care of business against Miami, who actually started off fairly good with their non-conference record. So they're not a pushover team. I know they've dropped four straight now, but to me, Miami's an improved team. Uh, and then this last weekend going into Lawson, where St. Cloud has yet to win a game since 2019. Yeah. And then they get two wins against a very tough Western Michigan opponent. More confidence on the Husky side. Um, I'm not at all trying to rub this in, I swear to God. Um, no, no, but, it's, good. <laughs> it's all fair. Like nothing but, is out of bounds here. No, but you know, it's it's just weird to me because yeah. you know, I I, I think you know, with last year with the UMD, I thought they would bounce back. Uh, yeah. and, and during media day, you know, Scott Sandlin was getting a lot of questions on last year, um, how everybody was surprised, right? That this team just right. never found a gear. Yeah. And as you mentioned, and as we have been seeing it, granted, it's still early. It feels like you mentioned, it feels like deja vu all over again. Um, and you had an opportunity this weekend with conference play opening up to sort of get the wheels turning whether it being the schedule or whatnot, you run into a really good North Dakota squad that yeah. I hate to say it. They're good. They're, um, yeah, they're good. Borderline they're, great. Yeah. Borderline great. Uh, the seven D that turned over, um, not a problem, especially when you've got a uh, Ludwig Pearson and net. Yeah. Um, so let's break it down. Shall we um, Friday um, four to two, I believe was the final score on yep. Friday. Um, but more so again, it's, it's not about the score now. It's about how they're doing it. Right. Um, yes. And, 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 you know, we talk about Ben Steves and the power play, uh, but tell me if I'm wrong here, Max, is that we give a lot of credence to this Bulldog power play. Yes, Caleb, they're fine. Um, but five on five is really where your struggles have really Tough. been throughout the beginning part of the season. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, giving a three goal lead to a top 10 team for the third series in a row. I think it was three. I don't know if it was three or four or three of the last five games at the point, you know, Friday's loss came around. Like you're, you're not going to win many of those games. That's not a winning strategy, obviously. But like when it happens routinely like that, that's a problem. You're not getting your guys going early and having to battle uphill. It's fine to do it every now and then. But to have to do it every weekend is tough, especially against the teams that they've got on the schedule there. So Having that happen again on Friday to start the the weekend out was was not great. And that third goal, you know, it was batted out of the air. They reviewed it forever. There just isn't a good ice level camera angle to see if it is above the post or not. And so you just have to go with the call nice, which was a goal. And I'm not saying it was egregious by any means, but it was like clearly a questionable goal. And to so to see that one go in and be the third and have to be battling back from that, it's just like, you know, you feel like there's no bounces going your way. And 
yeah. you know, realistically, North Dakota, they did have a lot of really, really good bounces, but they put themselves in position to be there and take advantage of those bounces too. So um, I'm, I'm not going to harp too much on, on that goal call or anything. And I, I won't say the Bulldogs lied down and just kind of gave up because they did battle back. It was 3-2 and, you know, there was like seven minutes left in the game by the time that that second to, yeah, that second UMD goal was scored. And it was like, all right, they're, you know, they're not the better team still, but there's some momentum there. Like, this is how UMD has won games in the past. And then, you know, we get that 2022-2023 Bulldogs turnover or lapse of judgment or whatever it ended up being there. And, you know, you have to take a tripping penalty because your goal is already pulled at that point and you can't give up a for sure goal, but they end up scoring right. on the power play anyway. And that's where the, the fourth goal came in there. So, you know, the, the judgment, the puck possession, the just confidence with it on your stick isn't there right now and i'm just waiting for that to kick in and uh it better kick in sooner than later right max yeah. uh at the end of it uh you know second nchc series coming in um you know so let's jump right to saturday because uh still a two goal deficit at the end of the day yeah. but this one hurts more because it's a two nothing shutout yeah um not that it makes it any better but again we talked about five on five and the struggles there um Again, UMD unable to really find an advantage when it's five on five. Yeah, I mean, not only are they, they struggling five on five, they're they're penalty kill not great either. Like they're they're sub eighty percent on the on the PK there, and they had they're seven. Not watching of them the on, wild, are they? On, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> that's that's another point I wanted to bring up. They they are they have had the same trajectory as the wild the last two seasons. They you know didn't make the playoffs like the wild did last year, but it was frustrating to watch them at the same points last year. And right now, the Wild are in maybe their worst skid in the last five years. Yeah. And, or at least it feels like it, especially after that 8-3 to three drubbing, you know, last night what, at the time we're recording. Seven that. special teams goal, including two shorties. Yeah, that's, that's just brutal. It's, yeah. it's brutal hockey to be watching. And so UMD's not doing much better than that. Like, you know, they had seven penalties. And when you, you know, take advantage or take out the ones that are coincidentals or time call or whatever, like... They gave up, they had five, they were shorthanded five different times, and they only gave up one goal. So that fits into their their you know their time frame of acceptable penalty kill, and that's all well and good. But to be down a man five separate times or to have seven individual penalties, you can't do that against teams that are this good. This this it's just you would think they know that. There's a third weekend in a row that they've had the same issue. So um they need more discipline for sure. And, you know, the, the face-off battle was much closer on Friday, uh, but Saturday, like, they, they lose, you know, they win 20, they lose 31 of them. So it, it's not a good ratio there. And so when you're already playing a more skilled team, and I think that's fair to say about North Dakota, they've got more skilled players than UMD does, especially with the injuries and everything else they're dealing with, you, you're just giving them possession and they're just going to, you know, hold it forever. And yeah. that goes back to some of the same stuff I've been seeing with UMD too is, like, the neutral zone turnovers and issues and inability to get good zone entries and everything is just like, you're always feeling like you're dumping and chasing. I saw him dump and chase on the power play, which is just maddening to me, which it's better than taking a penalty on the power play, which I've already seen twice this year already anyway. So um, yeah, there's, there's quite a bit of, of stuff to, to clean up and, you know, get to get into the bright spots. Saturday's bright spot was uh, Matthew Thiessen. It was ridiculous, the stuff that he was doing and that he made one circus save for sure and another just miraculous one out there as well. So it's like, 
that game could have been four nothing pretty pretty easily. Um, so so to have it be two nothing, still not a great score, not one you like to see. Um, and it's not that UMD didn't have chances either, but they didn't capitalize on them. I think Mangini had another breakaway and just wasn't able to bury it, and just that's how the night went. So um, tough to see. And then on top of that, you get another, you know, the the UMD reputation penalties, calls, whatever. They get a five-minute major and a game misconduct. Um, and I understand that, you know, Darian Goats came up, whatever. He he did make head contact. Was it like intentionally intent to injure, like game misconduct thrown out of the ice at the ref's discretion? In my opinion, absolutely not, because there was a hell of a sell job by the North Dakota kid. And by the letter of the law, yes, five-minute major has to be called there just based on where contact was. Totally understand that. Not going to fight that. But a two-minute, like, uh, embellishment penalty would be totally warranted on North Dakota if we're going to go by NHL rules here. Like, it, you know, it is <laughs> crazy yeah. to see some of those calls and and the enforcement that they've, that they've gotten. It's just going to be another skill player down for UMD to have to deal with next weekend in a critical matchup when they're fighting for points. You know, Max, you can't fault a kid that's trying to major in hockey and minor in acting. You really can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the way you go to Juilliard, but that's just me. Yeah. Um, I, I want to touch on a Scott Sandlin quote a little bit just because, you know, Scott Sandlin's usually a pretty calm, you know, person, even in the midst of uh, a lot of adversity. But you get the sense, Max, that even he's sort of sensing where the team is at. Can you yeah. touch on some of his post game comments from Saturday? Yeah, um, so it it was, I think it was something along the lines of it's it's tough to you know take five or ten minutes off during the games, let alone full periods or portions of a game there. And he noted that as as part of what his team was trying to deal with there. And he he did bring it back around and say, you know, we're only two games into conference play. We got twenty some odd other ones going in there, and there's plenty of time to make that up. But you have to start making it up. You have to change your actions and the way that you're approaching the game. Because if you do continue to take, you know, significant lengthy periods of, of the, the games off or even um, within individual periods, not just the games, like you're going to have a really tough time in the NCHC specifically. But in some of these other tournaments, they've got the, you know, quick trip, whatever tournament they're doing out in Wisconsin. There's no slouches in there. Wisconsin, Northeastern, and I forgot who the other one is. It's always like an Air Force or somebody like that. I'll have to look it up. But those, at least two of those teams are, are going to be fighting for for quite a bit of, of pride, let alone, you know, position in the country, with, especially with Wisconsin being number one right now. So um, not that that tournament matters, but that's just one example. Like they, they don't have, in my opinion, they don't have an easy game the rest of the schedule. Um, you can throw Miami's in there. You can throw, you know, CC in there based on how they played, but CC always shuts them out one game a year, no matter what. I don't know how it happens or why it happens. It's just a fact. I don't know how they're going to play against Miami with, you know, uh, Pearson in North Dakota now, because he was the brick wall there before. And he was against, you know, on Saturday. So, um, say what you want about those teams. I don't, I don't think that those are going to be easy games for them. So they have to come ready to play every period the rest of the way. So, um, I, and we've said it before. I, I don't even think that a, a three goal lead with this UMD team is, is a, a place of comfort until you've got less than five minutes left. It's infuriating, but um, it's, it's the truth right now. It's tough because I remember a couple of years ago before um, the NCHC frozen face off uh, Scott Sandlin, um against St. Claude when uh, they lost their home ice position, but then, 
swept St. Cloud at the Herb, yep. uh, basically made a player commitment that says, hey, um, not everybody's coming back through the middle to help back check. Yep. Either you do it or I'm sitting, you know, basically like get up or sit on the bench and warm it. And yep. then they proceeded to go on to win the NCHC frozen face off and not give up a single goal. Thank you, Ryan Fanti. Yeah, uh, but, you know, and so you, I know Scott has leverage in the locker room, right? Um, he, right. And he's a well-respected coach. Um, and honestly, as a college hockey fan, you hate to see it because he is a good dude and, you know, normally can get a lot of his players. And it is kind of saddening to, to watch you and be struggle for the second year in a row, um, mm. which unfortunately, Max, leads us to another tough matchup. And as we talked on the top here, right, um, you're laughing. Um, and it is kind of funny how two weeks ago, I think both of us, the trajectories of the team were like, this could be a tank bowl. Yeah. Uh, St. Cloud has won four straight. Um, more impressively, this past weekend against Western Michigan. Um, I want to touch on St. Cloud just briefly um, yeah, before please. we get to the matchup because um, it wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but Lawson's a very tough place to play. That yep. building was rocking. There were times where Western Michigan had him heading into their own zone, um, but they survived and they got key goal scoring when they needed it. Um, Vidi Miatnin, the Finnish splash, whatever you want to call it. One of the last of the remaining flying fences, our friend Ben Holden would say. Yep. Um, he's been lights out right now for St. Cloud, a big reason why they've been able to sort of refine their groove. Uh, but Max, I want to ask you this. St. Cloud, how much do they scare you right now? Uh, quite a bit. I mean, you, you just mentioned the the Finnish powers that, that have gone through that program have always been a thorn in the side of UMD. It, it seems like every time that they play, those are the guys that step up and shine more than anybody else. And, you know, you're not getting the same production out of Dylan Anhorn as you did before he got injured last year. He's not the same player, which is tough to see because he is a great kid and a great player in general. Yep. And I'm not saying he's doing bad either. It's just not the same level. But you're still finding other people to step up and make some of these plays. And it is, you know, impressive to see Scott Larson get that out of that team because it's just like they 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 were down in a valley, but they rebounded quick and it was furious. And like you said, playing in Western in that that atmosphere is one of the best in college hockey. And it is to walk out of there with with two wins is impressive for for anyone. I don't I don't care what you're ranked and or what what what, what Western is ranked either, because it's it's just a a crazy place, and you feel the energy the second that you go in that that rink. So, um, very very impressive stuff out of uh, St. Cloud. And Saturday they they gave up a goal early, right? Uh, shut them out. Actually, that would have been Friday. Friday. Um, but you're right. They they gave up one early, and then you know they kind of clawed back. Western took it again, and then they scored two quick ones on Friday to take a three two yes. lead. And again, yep. it was VD with the essentially the game winning goal. Um, and that's you hate to say it, but it's like St. Cloud this year is a team that's going to probably have to rely on some of these opportunistic type op, you know, type situations. Yep. Um, you know, they defended a little bit too much, in my opinion, on Saturday, but they did defend, right? You know, it's one thing right. where, you know, and again, Western Michigan, this is not a you know, take anything away from them. They're a solid program and they've got a lot of talent up front. Um, but I think St. Cloud, if, you know, they were to go back and watch the film, I think it'd be fair to say that they felt like probably they were hemmed in their own zone a bit too much. Right. Um, 
on the flip side of that, Max, and going back to UMD and St. Cloud, um, I don't don't be mad at me when I say this, but I'm not expecting UMD to give us a five on five matchup like that. But I do feel like there's still a test here because St. Cloud, I want them to still be hungry. UMD is, shall we say, vulnerable to say it nicely. Yeah. Um, but you can't let your foot off the gas if you're a Huskies fan. Um, we know what this rivalry is, right? Despite where these two teams are at, there's still an opportunity for UMD to right the ship. And what a way to put it like a big giant, you know, face wash on the, on the Huskies fans when you come in and you, I mean, honestly, I mean, this series has always been very unpredictable. So there's one thing yeah. that's going for UMD is that these two teams play similar styles. Both these coaches know each other. Well, they spent time on the same bench. Um, makeup is largely the same and it's a very physical series, right? So with that being said, I'm trying to be the bearer of positivity here, but is there not, is there any sort of shining light for UMB Bulldogs fans going into this weekend? Yeah. Yeah. I think there is because, you know, over the last decade, I, I think these teams are either one or two games off of 500 and there's been, you know, stretches within there where UMD has been the significantly better team. And there's been stretches where St. Cloud has been the significantly better team. And even within those seasons, like they were splitting games or it was, you know, relatively even and they were just trading blows back and forth. So regardless of how these two teams are, are playing um, at the time that they're, they're playing one another, I think it is always taken as its own individual series. Hey, we're getting up to play St. Cloud or we're getting up to play UMD, depending on which side that you're on. So um, I, I think, you know, it's like the, the the NFL where you've got the, you know, Ravens and Steelers playing. There's no love lost. It's always yeah. one of those, those, you know, tropes where the announcers say stuff, but it really does, you know, it feels like it's a, a game where anybody can win it every single time. So um, I would love to see UMD come out fast because it's another one of those, hey, it's a ranked team, maybe not a top 10 team, but they're 19 right now. So they're in the, the top third of the country. Um, you can't give them that much of a head start and, and you know, battle back, especially especially when they play a, a much stronger defensive style, um, especially when Larson is familiar with how, how Sandlin is going to be attacking it. Uh, <laughs> but you mentioned it too. Like uh, there's bragging rights that go along with this. And, you know, yes. They didn't. They didn't have a series until January last year. So we're we're going significantly earlier in the season. You're going to have a long time to brag before they meet up again because they don't have a, another matchup until the last week of, of the regular season here. So um, this this certainly means something, especially for you know not only the the you know the folks outside that are chatting online and sitting as keyboard warriors, but it means something for the guys on the ice too because. There's a lot of people on these two teams that know each other well. They grew up playing in the same, you know, the state if they're local, but the the same junior programs in other areas as well. So um, I, I think that goes that goes into it. It's it's not the same when you're playing, you know, in an out of conference, um, you know, Atlantic Hockey School or somewhere where it's just a, a foreign person you're playing hockey against. These these are guys that that know each other well, and it always means a little bit more when you've got those bragging rights. Now, statistically, Max, um, unfortunately, uh, St. Cloud seems to have most of the upper hands in those besides yeah. one, which is your power play, um, which, my God, if you just put Penn Steve's on the ice, I mean, it seems yeah. like that's, uh, you know, a working formula. He did uh, get a goal last weekend, but he did get an assist on the power play. So a point on the power play, guaranteed every yeah. weekend. And, uh, you know, and again, we, we discussed recent history a bit. It's six and four in the last 10. Um, yeah. UMD's 11, 13 and two on the road. Again, it's basically 500, right? Yep. Um, I, I think, again, when you go back to this matchup, 
throw the statistics out the window, right? right. Um, and you mentioned starting fast. I, I can't agree with that more, Max. Uh, St. Cloud has had a history of maybe getting their legs underneath them a little bit later in the first period. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of wonder too, and I'm, I'm curious to, to, to get your thoughts on this. For UMD, do you kind of get the sense that they need to come out controlling not only their speed, but maybe in a bit of a physicality, like coming in with like guns ablazing because, and maybe this is the too early, like being fatalist kind of approach, but is, is UMD playing for their season this weekend already? Um, I can't say they're playing for their season already uh, yet. If, it, if we were having another matchup like this in January, yeah, absolutely. But um, anything before Christmas is like, oh, you can take it on the chin, battle back, whatever. But it would certainly be a, a lot tougher uh, if, if they don't win at least one of these. Um, then, then it's, uh, you know, I talked about the panic meter before. It, it would be a full panic meter at that point. There's, there's no going back from it. So uh, I would say, yeah, it's, it's one of the ones that you, you have to win one. You, it, let me rephrase that. If they come to the, out of this weekend with two points, it's salvageable, but past that, if they if they get swept again, they lose, you know, winless in eight straight. The the, the hopes for any sort of uh you know playoff push is basically all in your your frozen face off play and and trying to get a, a bid that way. So I understand that there are a significant amount of conference games after that, but you know, putting yourself in a position where you've got to you know win eighty percent of those is is really tough in a conference like the NCHC. So. They're going to have to rely on, you know, um, what you said there, uh, coming out strong and fast. And I do think that that physicality is going to play a, a big part in it because um, they are much more evenly matched. Uh, I think you would agree, maybe not as a, a St. Cloud State fan, but I think they are more evenly matched on the talent scale. Uh, I think yes. St. Cloud still has a little bit of an advantage there, but it, it's not like, you know, you're going up against a Minnesota or North Dakota or some of these players that are teams that are going to have, you know, four or five NHL players come out of the, the, the roster, they're guaranteed starters right. know, the second they come out. Um, but it, it's going to be one of those games where if you are the one that's getting confidence early and controlling the puck, uh, it, it just seems like, you know, you're the one that's dictating how the game is going to play out in the end. And it's just a mentality thing that I think every hockey player that stepped on the ice has had to deal with that one part or, or another. And if they can do that, um, especially on Friday and set the tone for the weekend, it's going to pay dividends for sure. And um, you mentioned the power play as much as I don't want to say it, they are going to have to rely on that because that's where they're scoring, you know, a good chunk of their goals. I I think that's got like 50% of their goals on the season is on the power play. And it's not like they've scored a ton of goals, but when that's your ratio, like you kind of have to rely on that and and capitalize when you've got those opportunities. So um, as good as it is, they've got the second most power play goals in the nation. Their penalty kill is also pretty bad. They've given up the third most power play goals against um, in the nation as well. So um, not taking those penalties. Yeah. Just stay out of the box, control the puck, and, you know, hopefully you're going to have a better result. Quick look at the NCHC standings as it sits right now against St. Cloud 4-0 in conference play after their past four games. Denver. Um, two and zero. Same with North Dakota. Colorado College uh, bounced back two and two. Western Michigan after dropping two straight now one and three. Uh, Omaha's one and one. They had a non-conference battle this past weekend, and then uh, UMD and Miami, the uh, lone folks who haven't gotten a conference point just yet. Uh, but Max, again, I know we say it a lot, but it's early. 
Um, there is some urgency here, but at okay. the end of it, there's still time. You got to start somewhere, right? And I think you're right. You got to get at least one this weekend. If you don't get any points, I do think you're going to see a more desperate hockey squad the following week. And then it's going to be coming. Okay. Crap. Right. You know, our backs yeah. are against the wall. Um, so we'll have to kind of wait and see what happens, right? This is always a great interconference battle between the Bulldogs and the Huskies and, uh, you know, just hoping for good hockey at the end of it. So can't wait to watch. It's always a pleasure watching these two battle. Again, they're so similar in terms of the systems, the structure and everything else. Just hope for good hockey. Right. Um, totally agree. And uh, if you're Max Feach, uh, the referees keep the whistles in their pockets. But um, I digress digress from that. Uh, We do have one final segment coming up here in MNCAA. We have to check into the CCHA, or as some people call it, the beer league right now of all (laughs) conference hockey. It's been pretty nuts. Uh, That's next here in MNCAA. Stick around.